This month, Streaming Things is brought to you by our super Patreon supporters, Chester Copperpot, Jade, Jillian Morgan, Aaron Layton, Andrew Gray, Casey McCain, Crystal Trujillo, Jen Robinson, John Collins, Kalisha Reeves, Kate, Kiki Newton, and Will Nash. <laughs> Bow your shits! The real war isn't between a few squabbling houses. It's between the living and the dead. Winter is coming. Why are all the gods such vicious cunts? Chaos isn't a pit. Chaos is a ladder. I am the shield that guards the realms of men. You know nothing, Jon Snow. I drink and I know things. You're the worst shit in the Seven Kingdoms! Death is the enemy. The first enemy and the last. I am the god of jits and wine. Welcome back. My name is Chris. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things Mailbag Edition. Mailbag. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. I'm not going to do the blues clues thing because we don't have license for that. Yeah, we don't want to get a copyright claim on YouTube. That we're, not gonna, we're not going to break any, any, any laws today. No, no. We don't have any white claws with us, so we can't do that. <sighs> well, that's where we get crazy. <laughs> Let's address the elephant in the room. You might notice that Andy is not here with us. He had a loss in the family today. He announced it on Twitter, so I feel safe uh, announcing that for him. Uh, Penny, his dog of many years, passed away unexpectedly. So he will not be on this episode, nor will he have been. You'll have heard it by now, but the breakdown of episode five of House of the Dragon, because uh, we're doing all this in one day. So uh, I told everyone on the Discord, we just watched Clueless together on the Discord as a fam. That's a new thing that we can do. But just for all the listeners out there, that's where Andy is. So keep him in your thoughts. If you're friends with him on Twitter or anything like that, reach out and give him, give him your support if you find that that's appropriate. Yeah, Miss um, Penny has long been a staple of streaming things. Um, yeah, you've, you've definitely heard her in the background and being a silly girl. And so this is, you know, it's very sad. Very, very sudden. Very sad. Um, but uh, today is our big mailbag episode. We're going to talk mostly about House of the Dragon. Uh, and then at the end, we got some Rings of Power emails as well. So stick around for that if you're a big fan of the Rings of Power. Uh, we love doing these episodes, reaching out to the fans and, and kind of having a conversation with our listeners. It's one of my favorite things to do. We did it a ton with Stranger Things, but covering both shows it's kind of, and all of the patron stuff because we got to do all kinds of bonus episodes and activities with all the patrons. And it's a lot of time. So we haven't had the time to do as many mailbags this go around. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is fun for me. I'm glad that we're finally delving into it, uh, as the dwarves would say. But not too deeply. No, never that. Or too greedily. <laughs> never that. Yeah. We don't want to delve too greedily into the mailbag. I do want to do a shameless plug, though. Go. You mentioned that we did a watch party of Clueless on the Discord. Yes. Uh, today, guys, this episode that you're listening to drops on Wednesday. So today, this evening. As of right now. We are going to do another Discord watch party at the Streaming Things Discord, we're going to be watching the debut episode of Star Wars and or on Disney Plus. And so if that interests you at all, head on over to the Discord, uh, join the Watch Party channel, and we will do that. Uh, stay, look on social media for what time we're going to do that. Um, and if you are not part of the Discord, go on to patreon.com slash streaming things and become a member at the appropriate tier and be a part of it. Because I think this is something we're going to do more often and it's going to be a lot of fun moving forward. I had a blast and there were some hiccups. It was our first launch, our maiden voyage, yeah. as as you said, uh, like Isildur's first voyage. The West kept calling to us. Yeah. The whole time we were trying to watch Clueless. Some ropes like, were Dave. dropped. 
Steve, Steve, the Wi-Fi can't keep up. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's the the options are endless with what we can do with the watch party feature. So that's that's fire. So we're gonna test it out with Andor, and we might even do an Andor um, recap episode for the for the podcast fans. Right in to streaminginspod yeah. at gmail com if you if you would like that. Because Steve and I at least uh, are happy to make the extra effort wherever like a, a ton of interest is. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's something you guys are really passionate about, like yeah, please do Andor as well. Let us know and we'll, yeah. And like, if we, and if no one does it and if no one writes in, we just won't do it. Yeah. Be loud, be proud. Cause like <laughs> we would rather do a, a show that we never thought about covering if everybody's interested in it, than something that we're super excited about. We think is going to go well and is a complete dud. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we got one or two emails about uh, paper girls. Um, and then I think I got one email about Cobra Kai season five. We're not going to cover the show if that's, you know, so tell your friends, everybody, everybody speak up because then mm-hmm. we'll switch gears. Cause after hot D and rings of power, it's a big question mark. What we're going to cover next after that, it might, it could just be us doing a normal movie weekly recap yeah, stuff, go but, back to our random movies and shows thing, but we're happy to mm-hmm. dive right into another property if, if you guys are into it. So, yeah. um, we could even do a show that's been out for a while. We've never done that before, but if there's enough, you know, firefly, firefly, sure. <laughs> that's been a long while. Yeah. I was thinking more like, <laughs> I was thinking more like succession, uh, or Chernobyl or something like that. But by the way, succession, such we, a good fight. We covered Chernobyl already on the show. We didn't deep. Well, we did deep dive it. Yeah. We did. Yeah. 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 But we didn't have a 10th of the audience that we do. That's now. true. We didn't, but just delete those episodes. Yeah. Well, actually we've never done it. <laughs> or re-release them. Um, I don't know. Let me check them first. Maybe they weren't good. I had, it had one of the best openings we've ever had music wise. Cause that was the one, cause we were doing um, good omens at the same time. And so the show opening was a blend of Chernobyl and good omens. So it was a lot of like, that's the weirdest. I know, but it was so funny. Cause it's like, there's graphite on the, on the ground. And then we cut to David Tennant going, no, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's the weirdest double feature we've ever done. Oh, it was fun. Makes though. way less sense it's than good. T-Rop and Hot D. All right, diving right in. Let's get into the House of the Dragon. Oh, and one emails. more thing. I'm sorry to cut you off again. Full disclosure, we're recording this before episode, what uh, is it? Five. Full, episode five of yes. Hot D. So whatever develops and transpires, not our fault. Yeah, whatever happened this Sunday, guys, uh, we recorded this before, so you know, but give I, us some grace I, there. I think most of these emails are, are retrospective anyway. Yeah. Um, but just to be clear. So yeah. yeah. And we're going to, we're going to do another, at least one more huge mailbag after, uh, house of the dragon and the rings of power wrap up. So keep your thoughts coming to streaming things at gmail.com. Don't be discouraged if we didn't choose your email or if you didn't get your email in, in time, completely fine. We understand. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this one comes in from, from Fiona and this is one of, I don't know, three or four emails around this topic that we got. I'm going to read them all, uh, all, all the ones that I chose, uh, just because there's a different good perspective on each one, or they say some other things, but it is a hot topic that last episode four had the internet of flame, but this one comes in from, from Fiona, a uh, big fan from Australia and loving the hot D chat. I was just thinking Damon couldn't finish with Masaria. Well, not that we saw, and he couldn't with Rhaenyra. This got me thinking of two other scenes. Number one, when Rhaenyra says that Damon's wife is fortunate because he hasn't put a child in her. What if he's never finished in her either? Therefore, she will never have his child. He laughs it off as her having a hostile environment. And two, Mizara's reaction on the bridge to the idea that she was pregnant. Maybe it was such an extreme reaction because he's never finished with her. Yes, female sex workers had ways to prevent pregnancy so she would know, but it's something to consider. Maybe Damon is impotent now, either psychologically or physically. He'd produce no heirs ever. Did I think I would ever give this much thought to a fictional character's seed? 
<laughs> oh, no, no. But hey, here we are. <laughs> Keep up the great work, fellas. Fiona. P.S. I love the acknowledgement that you wish you had a female perspective on the last episode. Even saying that out loud was huge for a female fan like me to hear. So thank you. Smiley face. Uh, th- thank you, Fiona, for writing in. And we appreciate that. That was our goal, uh, at least to acknowledge like mm-hmm. self-awareness doesn't suffice. It doesn't always, you know, eliminate any transgressions, but we made an attempt. Um, yeah. And I actually made a TikTok breakdown of episode four, as I always do. And I, in that video, I said, hey, I can't say whether or not certain things in this episode, in this episode were handled well as a male, uh, but blah, blah, blah. And I got so much negative feedback for that comment, like a lot of fragile men, but mm-hmm. all, even a lot of women were commenting like you can 100 percent speak your mind. on that's ridiculous. You know, I kind of got some flack for that. And I don't think I was wrong for saying that, you know, in the realm of uh, forced abortions and, you know, forced plan T uh, and loss of innocence for young women. And especially with uncles and guardians and things like that, like, yeah, there's definitely some- didn't feel like it was my place to say at least whether or not the show handled it tactfully. I would never presume to be the judge of that. Right. Sure. I mean, you can you can have an opinion on it, but I think it's worth pointing out like, Hey, yeah. Like my opinion might not be coming from the, the, the best source of context. Right. Exactly. I didn't think it was that crazy. Everybody thought it was so crazy. I didn't think it was like, if I was going to watch uh pray and was like on the internet, like, Oh, this is such good native American res- representation. Like I would, I would never say that because yeah. like, I have no fucking clue if that's right. true or not. That's all I was trying to say. Right. Uh, as a man in this episode, I didn't, but uh, Fiona brings up some good points. I, I, Steve and I know a lot about the future of this story. We've read the book, so we're not going to comment on everything that Fiona said or asked or predicted, uh, especially regarding the efficacy of certain people's seed. You know, <laughs> I don't like it, <laughs> uh, but there's a lot. We wanted to put this in here because Fiona was so kind in the email number one, but also it, it brings some good questions. Uh, and again, this is not the only email that we're going to read today about this subject. Uh, Steve and I did not watch or Andy wasn't didn't either. None of us watched the after the episode breakdown. Mm-hmm. On episode four, we, we typically don't. We usually don't because if the show, we don't want it to color our perspective of what we read from it. Yes, because I mean, we can we could have watched that and then come on to the microphone here and been like, oh well, you know what? I think he was. I, uh, I think impotent. this is what happened. Yeah, I think he was impotent. When really, it's like, well, the director told us that. Like, we yes. kind of like coming at it from the idea of like, this is what we saw. This is how the episode what it achieved with us. And then you know, in hindsight, we can look back into it on the mailbag episode like this one and say, oh, this is what they were going for. Did they succeed? Did they fail? In this instance, I think they did fail in showing that so for those that don't know and didn't watch it either um the the showrunners was that ryan condal that was talking at the time i forget now because i I barely watched it since i didn't watch it somebody wrote in and said exactly who it was i think it was ryan yeah they were claiming that in that scene where damon kind of seems to rethink what he's doing with rhaenyra that the reason behind that uh was because his you know he couldn't this is so weird to talk about. He was unable to carry on his, his little mm-hmm. soldier, his, his, his good time boy. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't get erect. Right. Like, because the implication was because she was is super gross, but because she was like into it and he wasn't as in mm-hmm. control, it wasn't as much his thing. Well, yeah. Cause this is a character that, um, likes power. And if he feels like he's not in control of the situation, he loses the, the oomph the interest. as it were, you yeah. know? So that's why he kind of lost his impotency in this moment. It's also kind of goes back to what was that episode one when he's having sex with uh Mazaria and it's right when like, Oh, there's going to be an, yeah. Heir, and so that was like the his- least sexy sex scene of all time. 
Yeah, because he's like, meh, 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 he's meh. Just like, I can't do it. He's just like plowing the gates of the castle. So, so like it makes sense, like within that context, I think it does make sense. Like, oh, this is a guy who likes being in charge. He likes having that power. But when he feels like power is being taken from him and the tables are turning on him, he can't get it up because he's just so sure he gets his rocks off on that power. And I, I, I hate this concept. Not only did I don't, I don't think it was very clear if that was indeed their intention, but maybe it's selfish that I think it, obviously it says disgusting things about his character. And we already know he's not a great person, but that's like exceedingly gross for me to grasp. Um, so I, I don't, I don't like that being the reason, you mm-hmm. know, there is a lot that I missed about the nefarious nature of why he took her there, why he took her hat off. Was this all part of a grander plot to force her to marry him? Things like that. I missed all of that. Andy was arguing for that. I think at the time we recorded this and I kind of brushed him off, but a lot of our listeners and a lot of the people uh, out in the world took that reading as far as his intentions for that evening. So I think I missed some of that, but mm-hmm. any hoozle, like, again, I, we'll get into more of this subject here very shortly. I think there's definitely some sort of manipulation going on with that sex scene in particular. Now, whether or not Damon, how much of it is his doing and how much he's in control of that and if he's part of it, but I, I get the feeling, and I think this is something that we missed out on, is that um, it seems that because there's such a large time jump between episodes, the last time we saw Mazaria when they were on Dragonstone and she was all mad at him, like, why'd you tell them that I'm pregnant, bro? You're going to, you put a target on my back. It seems like she's been living in King's Landing this whole time that Damon's been in the, uh, the Stepstones. So they haven't technically been together for you know, a year, two years. And in that time she's been almost three years, I think. Yeah. In that time she's been having this sort of relationship with Otto Hightower, meaning like she's now the spy. She's the white worm at King's Landing. Right. That because Otto has this, he says something where like, Oh, the source has never steered me wrong. And which is like, implies that there has been they, this background relationship. relationship happening that off screen. And, and she's doing what she can to survive. Yeah. And then, and in the episode, I mentioned that the little, the little boy that spotted, uh, Ranieri and Damon going into the, uh, the, the sex house, the sex house, sex <laughs> the house. no, no, it's a sex uh, house. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, I, I, in the last episode, I mentioned that there was the boy that saw them going into the brothel and later on we see, uh, Masaria paying him. It's actually the other way around. And that scene, the boy is paying Masaria, meaning that Otto paid the boy and the boy is paying. He's Masaria. just a go between. Yeah. So we had that slightly wrong in the interpretation, but there clearly is something going on between Otto and Mazzari. And the question, it still begs the question on whether or not Damon is privy to that relationship though. Yeah. Cause he was all hung over. They were kind of arguing, right? She didn't seem to have very much respect for him at that moment. So it's almost as if it's very believable to me that Masaria is acting on her own and mm-hmm. Damon has no idea right. that she's paid the boy to do, or, you know, sent the boy there and got, what the money. have you paid the boy for? I don't even care what the boy's got money for. I'm, t- I'm t- this is, this is, I'm lofty. I got shit going on up here. <laughs> uh, so yeah. And again, we're going to talk about this exact scene a couple more times throughout these emails. Um, do you want to read the one from Tony? It's a quick one. Yeah. So Tony writes in, yo guys, I wanted to throw out there for the mailbag episode that on hot D Tyland and Jason Lannister are played by the same actor. I assume you guys were overly tired when you came up with the wild idea that they were different people. I mean, have you ever seen them in the same room at once? LOL. You guys are great. Thanks for the great content. Tony, that's all on me because honestly, I just looked at uh, the actor who played Jason. And then when Andy was like, Oh, did he play his brother too? I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Fuck. Yeah. I, <laughs> I just kind of rolled with it. Cause I couldn't remember what Thailand looked like in that moment. Yeah. And I just was like, uh, 
Yeah, no, they're different people. They're different people. I don't know. Like, fuck. <laughs> so that's all we on were, me. We were tired. And I'll take some of the brunt too. I was way off on that. I was just over here. Like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. Who's Jason? <laughs> <laughs> so well, thank you, Tony. Uh, we've talked about that correction before, but we always appreciate the corrections for sure. We're, I think, I feel like this could be just a feeling. I feel like I was like the world's preeminent expert on stranger things and just nowhere near that on House of the Dragon and Rings of Power. Definitely not Rings of Power. Like House of the Dragon, I actually know quite a lot about Game of Thrones, but like mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, I only know the movies and I read the books when I was a kid. In your defense, House of Dragon and Rings of Power both are much larger in terms of scope as to like characters and relationships and an entirely different and lore. world. Where, and there's a lot more room Stranger to fuck up is, is what you're saying. Yeah. Stranger Things is just these core 20 characters in Hawkins, Indiana. Right. You know? That's fair. Yeah. Throw myself a freaking bone here. Throw me a freaking bone here, Tony. <laughs> bone here. <laughs> the next email comes in from Annalise. Hi, guys. Big fan of the pod Hi. since the recent Stranger Things season. I went back and listened to every Stranger Things pod episode after the fact. And now watching House of the Dragon primarily so I can listen to your perspective on the show during the pod. Love streaming things. Thank oh, you. Thanks. I know you mentioned having a mailbag pod in the next week. It's happening right now. <gasps> right now. Or so. And I just wanted to add a bit of my own perspective in the Damon Rhaenyra scene in Flea Bottom, which, let's be honest, was kind kind of awesome in a totally uncomfortable way. I love that you guys are self-aware to know that there are no women uh, to immediately comment on certain aspects of this episode. So I wanted to just add my two cents in case it broadens any discussion. Please Hopefully it does. Add several cents. Firstly, I love how the episode opens with the shot of her fiddling with her Valyrian steel necklace uh, from Damon while she's on her tour of suitors. It dooms the scene from the beginning as it's clear that she's thinking about Damon as she's hearing these would-be suitors go on about whatever they could offer because she's not really interested. Hmm. That's a very good tidbit. Very good perspective. I was intrigued by your take that when Damon removes Rainier's hat in the pleasure house or sex house, as Steve calls it, he was trying to say, let's not hide here, etc." I know. I think my take was just completely wrong. I definitely got that, but I also took it as slightly more sinister, maybe setting up a little bit that they might be cited together, which would create more drama upon which he thrives. I think the bit where he pulls away from her is multifaceted. As some of which you guys covered. I think he wanted to tease her a bit, as is true to his character. That's what I had said, I think. And true uh, to what he was trying to do from the beginning, which is show her that coupling can be fun, not just torture for the woman, etc. But also, I think he was checking for himself to see if he was right or wrong in his suspicions that she may want him too. I think he used that as a test to see if she would try to kiss him back and pursue him, which led him to feel confident in asking Viserys to give him Rhaenyra. Maybe I'm just projecting, wishing that we got to see a flash of a vulnerable Damon here, but let me know what you think. This is obviously a small detail, but I just don't want it to go unsaid because I think their acting was so complex and layered and all aspects of it should be noted. What do you think about that section so far, Steve? I think that's a really great you know, perspective. I think, uh, yeah, we did talk about like, this is our place. I think what, what she's saying about like, it's not quite, it, it's both let's not hide here, but also his more sinister intent of trying to see, you know, trying to expose in some way. Yeah. And I think it can be both. Right. Cause I, Damon does feel like, you know, we're, we're fucking awesome. We're Targaryens. We shouldn't hide, but also it's not beneath him to do something like this. That's literally what he's done. Almost every episode. He does something to piss people off, you know? Yes. And I think he's like a dog chasing cars. Um, (laughs) I, do you want to know how Damon got these scars? I I think, um, I don't know why my Joker's a little argyly. (laughs) (laughs) What if Batman's a little girl, man? Man. (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> when do things are about to get stranger? Um, I do think Boo. that even though they said <laughs> they, I, I do think that even though they said he was impotent, that I think there's a lot more valid readings of that scene, not aside from that, which is good because again, I hate that idea. Uh, and she goes on. I know this ship is fundamentally wrong, but in the context of the time space world and the insane chemistry, these characters actors have together, I just can't look away. I'm excited to see where these characters are headed as I try to avoid spoilers. Not a book reader. Also, you are fully spot on on the Sir Kristen slash Rhaenyra scene. Love the time they took to remove his armor, his cloak, etc. And the visuals of them together. Love Damon's feminist take, as you put it. It's fine if they were in a whorehouse at that age. Why shouldn't it be okay if she does it? Um, appreciate all you guys do. Thank you for making my dog walks on Monday morning so much more exciting. So should we listen to this tomorrow morning? No, Wednesday. Wednesday morning. But our recap of five tomorrow morning. Yes. Uh, yes. I just wanted to touch on that part, too, because, uh, again, my experience of talking about the show online the next day was that many, many uh, women specifically were very much into the vibe of Damon and Rhaenyra, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, Ooh, that was hot and steamy, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, which again, I couldn't speak on as a man and definitely wasn't going to go there in the initial reaction, like just in case it was way off. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do think that the actors have incredible chemistry. Uh, it's just, no doubt. it's unfortunate that the dynamic of the actual characters, it's so incredibly gross. Um, well, that's why I think there that's why this show is so interesting is because these are very complex, layered, morally questionable. Yeah. Ambiguous at ambiguous, best. Ambiguous. Yeah. At best. But there's so many, uh, there's such a great example of like power dynamics happening within relationships that's constantly evolving in ways that, you know, just take everyone by surprise. And that's why it's so cool. Indeed. So thank you, Annalise. You did add a, a lot of much needed perspective on those scenes. Steve, take the next one. Well, who reads the next one? Uh, Alyssa. Alyssa. She writes, hi, hello, good morrow. <laughs> Prefacing this, that while I did not read Fire and Blood, I did read The World of Ice and Fire. So I, I have the abridged version of what's going on rolling around in my brain and have been able to anticipate some of the plot. Loving the show, loving the way they're addressing things that are kind of left up for question or interpretation. Loving that George is... Very, 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 very. Sorry, I don't. It's like the little. What do you call that? Texting sword uh, hands. Yeah, is very, very involved. So hopefully, I won't be rallying the angry villagers at the end of this to burn down HBO, a la season eight of Game of Thrones. Yeah, keep cool your jets. Cool them pies. However, <laughs> I'm sure you've received eight thousand emails about adding this to a song of errors and corrections. So here's an email. Here's email eight thousand and one, because I have a bone to pick with whomstever is responsible for directing. We were all a little, in parentheses, a lot uncomfy during the Damon Rhaenyra sex near sex scene and could come up with a number of theories as to why he didn't follow through with it and solidifying that it was just it was indeed just a rumor i was doing mental gymnastics to try and understand if maybe he just reached a point where his love for her overcame his love for power whatever the case may be there was a plot furthering season reason reason oh sorry uh we get we get the great scene with him hung over as fuck in the throne room, further bringing up some theories of his intentions. Episode finishes, credits roll, and the inside the episode begins. When I say when I say I yelled, what? When they so matter of factly say, yeah, Damon just couldn't seem to coax his cracks. He's out of the old dragon. Pit. <laughs> is that an actual, old noodle boy. Is that an actual quote? I don't think so. 
God damn, I kind of want that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you mean to tell me that while they're showing thruples and thruples, Steve, thru- I don't know. That's not a real word. What's a thruple? I don't know. What's a thruple? Uh, two chicks and a dude <laughs> or two dudes and, a- <laughs> and quads and all manner of orgies going on in the background. They couldn't show a little more directly at Damon just needed some Viagra and that the reason he didn't follow through with fucking his niece didn't have some larger Game of Thrones esque meaning. No nuance or long game, just some whiskey dick. I'm mad and I'm going to stay mad. Long may this podcast rain. Long may this podcast rain. Long may it rain. Uh, Yeah, Alyssa, I I agree. Like, I don't think, I I don't think what they intended to tell the audience in that scene worked. Like, they clearly had an idea of what they were trying to, you know, show us. But in the moment and how it was directed and how it was shot, I don't think that came across at all really. And yes. it really wasn't until like other people were like, Oh, that's what they said. And then you can kind of work backwards from what they say and like make it make sense with that context in mind. But in the moment, I don't think it really achieved what they were going for. No, I love, I wanted to include Alyssa's email because she felt so strongly about what horseshit it was, but also mm-hmm. she brings up a, a very good point. Like you've got people 69ing directly in the background and you're for be- hours on end. You're being shy about like directly implying that he can't get it up. Like what now you're now you're having scruples. <laughs> Where's your scruples with the 69ers in the back? Yeah. Uh, by the way, there's a really cool quote from Millie Alcock who plays uh, young Rhaenyra. I don't know if you saw this online, Steve. I think you did. I think I retweeted it, but it's, she's, it's a quote from her and she's like, yeah, it was such a weird day. Like there's just extras who had never met each other 69ing for 12 hours in the background. <laughs> uh, so that they had to do a whole long day of shooting that, uh, sex house scene as Steve would put it. Can you and, imagine being the 69 actors? Like I could. Like the, I, I imagine it's awkward, but then like how much worse is it when you get back from the lunch break? Oh, for sure. <laughs> and like eight hours in, you know, now you know each other pretty well. Yeah. Whoever's the one laying down. Well, I, it depends on how they're, how they're positioned, but may I, in my mind, there's someone laying down and someone just above them. No, I think the, they do like a, uh, spooning 69 a sp- a spooning situation. Okay. That way you can stay there for so long. That makes sense. Yeah. But then you got your leg up, you know, that's got to get tiresome. Oh yeah. On the old love handles. I want to hear the behind the episode from those people's <laughs> yeah, perspective. Through the extras. I hope, so, uh, <laughs> I hope some, some of them fell in love. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> My Merkin fell off and then, uh, <laughs> you want to know how me and Doug met? <laughs> he had a crown Royal bag. <laughs> Housing is junk. Uh, this next email is actually a couple of messages that we got via Patreon from Matt. I just want to include a few tidbits in there that I thought were interesting. Of course, he says, hey, did you guys not watch the fucking behind the episodes after four like many people did? The answer is no. Nay. We choose not to because we don't want to color our readings of the show. But also it's an old habit. Well, we didn't mention this earlier. Uh, to not spoil the next episode. So like, you know, again, we try to reason what's going to happen and stuff. So in a show where there's not a book that we've all read, uh, it's very important that we don't watch the next on. So we try to cut away before that. And by not watching the next on, you don't watch the behind the scenes either. It's just a thing that we do guys. It's just a thing that we do. A couple things to note. The other thing I've heard you talk about a few times is the King's Landing Godswood. I've been rereading the Song of Ice and Fire series, and there is indeed a heart tree with a face, but it is a white oak, I believe, and not a werewood with the red leaves like in Winterfell. Not sure why they made it a werewood for the show, other than that it looks awesome with the red leaves. Uh, And I wanted to talk about that. Again, I should have done more research. I've read these books so many times, but we got another email. I, I may or may not have included it. I don't recall. 
Uh, but I think someone made a really good point that there might still be a full on werewood God's wood in King's Landing, because this part of the story takes place before uh, Baylor the Blessed, who is a Targaryen king that comes to power um, a couple generations from now. And part of what Baylor the Blessed did, he was a huge, uh, very pious king. And so he is strong in the faith of the seven and makes it his mission to destroy other religions and namely, you know, the old gods, you know, the werewoods, things like that. So it's very possible that this just still exists because he hasn't burned it down yet. He hasn't destroyed it yet because he doesn't exist yet. And I thought that was a, a very keen assessment from one of our listeners. That's most likely the case there. But uh, uh, thank you to Matt as well. Uh, and then he also asked, lastly, do you guys think that the dagger that revealed its song with fire is the same one that the killer who tried to murder Bran had? It is 100 percent the same dagger, which is super, super cool. And then Matt also asks later in another message, I wanted to, I thought this was funny. Does Martin ever mention characters getting high with all that, <laughs> with all that milk of the poppy floating around, you would think people would be double cupping that shit. And that's a very good point. Martin never does mention that. Uh, but I've thought about it myself too. Like how many people are just abusing milk of the poppy there? Oh, all of them. Wasn't there like a, in lore, isn't there something where like one of the grand maesters, it might even be Picelle, like abused milk of the poppy. I think he something. did recreationally use poppy. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, I think I messaged Matt on Patreon. I talked to him about the, what's it called? Shade of the evening. It's that. That's drink. a poison, right? Well, it's the drink that the, the warlocks use in the land or the house of the undying. And I think it helps oh, them yeah, yeah, yeah. give them visions. And it also yeah, turns tripping their, balls. their teeth blue. Their lips. Their lips blue. Yeah. Me. Like Piat Pre. Yeah. It's, it's not like ices that turn your teeth blue, but Mm-mm. it's, uh, Mm-mm. it's their lips. Some lips. It's just some lips. I assume that would be like a hallucinogenic or it'd be like the, the, yeah, that's probably like of drinking like um, shroom tea. Scissorp. Scissorp. <laughs> it's like shroom tea. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think it's like drinking lean, Steve. No, no, that's just some liquor and Seroquel, a little codeine. That wouldn't make you trip. Oh, you know, the Macers be doing that. <laughs> now, uh, Maester Marty B is known to abuse the milk of the Papa quite a bit. I prefer to use the term, uh, enjoy quite a lot. <laughs> not abuse. That's, that's true. That's I true. get a 40 mm-hmm. uh, of the milk of the Papa and I, and I go to town. Let me tell you what, <laughs> let me tell you what I, I make a day of it. Why wouldn't you, you know, you got to relax after a long day at the old Westerosi lab. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Everyone keeps being a prude about it. And I'm like, Hey, you're lost. That's right. More milk of the Papa for me. Let me show you my crib. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you read the next email from DJ? DJ writes in great pod. Did you notice a naughty orgy tapestry behind Alicent in the last episode? Proper chamber artwork befitting a queen. Nay, keep up the great work. Uh, I like that your instinct was to say, yay. Yeah, it was. It was. (laughs) Then I saw the end at the last second. Like, oh no, he meant no. Uh, Funny enough, DJ, that orgy tapestry uh, was actually in the first episode um, in, um, Queen Emma's chambers when she's kind of sitting there and it's, it's, it's been in the family a long time. Yeah. That's a, that's a family heirloom. And my, my boy, have you seen these tapestries? Oh, they're so beautiful. They love tapestries in this family. At oh, least Allison man. does. That's one of my favorite memes from, from this season of hot D is just the whole, like you guys, have you guys seen the tapestries that from Cahor? They're beautiful. Let's go get a feigning couch and just we'll look at them. They're gorgeous. They've got so much <laughs> material in them. It's the thread count is off the charts. Indeed. 
Especially the orgy ones. They put a lot of detail in those. Are there any other kinds of tapestries? I presume no. If you have an orgy, you know, those don't happen every day unless, eh? you, unless you're in the sex house. But if you're in the mm-hmm. in King's Land, in the Red Keep, you those know, are more rare. They're more rare. You get, It's like the modern day equivalent of like, let's take a photo of this. These events must be documented. It's like a documented. Polaroid. Yeah. Shake it. Yeah. Shake, shake, Hurry. shake it. Hold the position. Somebody make a tapestry of this. And someone's like, hold on, let me get my needles. <laughs> <laughs> that takes forever. No wonder they held it for 12 hours. <laughs> Our next email comes in from Mega. Uh, hello. Thank you for covering this particular episode, which should have been titled Sex with Sensitivity. The folks, <laughs> <laughs> the folks behind the scenes of the show clearly wanted the women front and center in every way. This feels so different from how things were done on Game of Thrones. I'm so here for it. I wanted to share some random thoughts if you'll bear with me. You're probably receiving received 4,000 or 43,838 messages already about Damon's impotence playing the biggest factor in the brothel scene we have with Rhaenyra. He absolutely wanted to smash. No, I'm not sure how much of, uh, how, of how much R understands this though. Also, how often do we see impotence portrayed in film and TV? Not often, not super often, uh, but moving on, especially with, a you know, the blood of the dragon. Yeah. Typically, typically not with the blood of the dragon. He's got a big red noodly boy in more than one way. Mm, I don't know if it's big. Yeah, floppy noodly boy and it's not red it's probably it's like the white worm <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's another name for his spy the idea that the prince who was promised prophecy is something that was passed down from king to heir I hate this so much I feel like it takes away from Rhaegar's discovery of the prophecy and his subsequent transformation and focus on producing said prince in a song of ice and fire his choices shape the future of the realm in such a massive way I can definitely understand the knowledge disappearing after some time and that by the time we get to Mad King Eris he's not in any position to tell Rhaegar anything or if he even knows anything about it. So what is the point of this prophecy being a thing before the events of Robert's rebellion, aside from everyone thinking they've produced the prince who, uh, or need to produce said prince. I wanted to talk about this and this is for a lot of diehard book readers are really concerned about this, but they keep bringing up this, uh, prince who was promised the Azor Ahai prophecy in the show. They've done it twice and only four episodes. I feel like that's a lot, right? Because it's something we didn't expect at all. Uh, we knew that they wanted to connect as much as possible with game of Thrones. And I thought the first time they brought it up was just like a, Oh yeah. Remember the night King (laughs) kind of thing, but it really seems like they're going somewhere with this. And here's my theory. Here's my theory. Lay it on me. They plan on retconning season eight. Uh, because people hate it so much. They've got this snow sequel with Jon Snow coming up. They've got the very real potential of resurrecting Daenerys because Drogon potentially flew Daenerys to Volantis, where there's lots of red priestesses that have the power to resurrect. Um, And I think that they fully intend to do that and bring back the Night King in some kind of way, that he wasn't actually killed by Arya and that uh, if you guys know that the prophecy of Azor High, perhaps Daenerys is playing the role of Nissa Nissa and then he, John killed her. Right. So maybe he is the prince who was promised this, which is what everybody wanted. And then we'll carry on our wayward sons. And so they're trying to keep the knowledge of this prophecy in everyone's minds. And that's the reason for this. There is a very capitalistic, more shows come in reason that they keep bringing this up. What do you think, Steve? Why you look upset? I don't think you're wrong. I just hate everything about that. <laughs> <laughs> just the whole idea of like Daenerys is alive again. Yay. You, you, you didn't like, like, I just, I, I hate it when 
creators. And again, I'm not on the D and D side for the, on this, but I, I hate right. it when creators make something, they don't have the courage of the convictions proves not to be popular with the fan base. And then they just fold over themselves and twist their story into knots to make it not that thing that fans are upset about You're talking about star Wars basically. But I, I, I just wish like, just you can make more things about game of Thrones and just ignore that that happened or just remake season eight that's fine if you want to just remake season eight from scratch, but don't fold the story into knots and do dumb things. Cause the, the Azora high, as far as I understand what the prophecy is, it already is fulfilled in terms of the, the prince that was promised. John's already there. Daenerys has already achieved the Nissa Nissa role that he had to kill her. And you know, he, they, they are the song of ice and fire. And a lot of people like to yell about how like, Oh, he didn't kill the night King. He wasn't the true prince. Without him and Daenerys, the Night King would have won. Like a lot of people gloss over the fact that season eight would have been a complete shit show for everyone if the Targaryens, the chosen two Targaryen people, Jon Snow and uh, Daenerys, didn't bring the realm together to fight the Night King. And j- just because Arya was the one that stabbed Physically him, stabbed. It's like, no, like without them bringing all these forces together, Arya wouldn't have been there to stab them. She wouldn't have been there without these two characters, right? Sure. And they, because they are the Targaryens, they lead, right? They lead the world. And I see the prophecies already fulfilled there. So I just don't like the idea of, uh, to me, that just seems like, cutting off your nose to spite your own face at the same time. You know what I mean? I agree with you, but at the same time, I think unlike, and maybe it's not unlike, I just have a different perspective because I was, I was about to say this is totally categorically different from Brian Johnson's last Jedi, but is it, or is it just the exact same thing where two, it's just, I'm on the other side of it this time because mm. it's two creators that made decisions with a show that I hate. And so it doesn't feel like it's even Canon because and- it, Sorry. And the thing that always drives me nuts is, and I think it's so funny is the, the double D's obviously they had George cliff notes. Like I a hundred percent believe like the season eight of game of Thrones ends where George meant to take it, you know, minor details, including here and there. Right. But the whole end of the story, like brand being the King, my whole theory is killing Danny, Danny going evil. I a hundred percent believe that Daenerys takes a heel turn. Bran is King is I think what they were told. Yeah, but, but, but I think everything else that and they sprinted to it and Jamie's arc. I don't I, I don't see Jamie's Martin. I don't see Martin doing that at yeah. all. They were right. just having logistical issues and oh, we got to get Lena Hetty and uh, Nicholas Custer Waldell back together. And like, that's what they were thinking. Right. right. So if, from that perspective, I think it was just a colossal fuck up. Um, I like season eight more than most people just because Same. I like Arya killing the Night King. It's one of my favorite hot TV take, mo- yeah, hot take. That's one of my favorite TV moments of all time. I, I literally leapt from my couch in 100%. pure glee. Fucking love that moment. I'm getting chills. Just fucking getting hyped about it with you, Steve. I mean, I've said this plenty of times, but like when season in re- referencing season eight of game of Thrones, I will watch the first, was it three episodes where you get to the long night when the episode long night ends? Yes. I'm like, Game of Thrones is over <laughs> on a high point. The rest that is was just like rad. the end of return of the King. And they wrap things up basically. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I think that, that there's a reason they keep bringing this up. Otherwise, why? Like the Azora high prophecy is one of the most hot button topics in the diehard fandom that pisses everybody off. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't keep bringing it up in house of the dragon unless you wanted to go somewhere with it is all I'm saying. Uh, that's not something be, you keep bringing up. 
I think it could be, and this is something that is always kind of brought up with Targaryens and specifically is like Targaryens have these dragon dreams, right? Where they have these prophetic dreams about, yes, and those dreams are often misread, they are misinterpreted and they just get everyone killed. And I think this is just another example that they're going to be using this story to be like, Hey, prophecies can fuck you up. Like sure. it, it colors your motivations. It ruins things. And I think this is just another way of connecting it to game of Thrones, but also like furthering the story of like, you cannot tr- put your faith in dreams, you know? Yeah. Dream of spring and dream of spring. Definitely don't put your faith in that. It's <laughs> <laughs> never happening. Uh, MJ goes on the pronunciation of cream friche had, cream me, friche had me rolling. I say this with all love because I mispronounce everything all the time. It will now be cream friche for me forever and we, ever. We cannot take credit for that. That is a South Park joke. Oh, is that why he's saying it that way? Yeah. There's a, there's an episode where Randy Marsh, Dan's dad gets really into food and yeah. he's like freaking out about any type of food that has cream fresh on it. And so he's always, <laughs> how's screaming. it really pronounced? Creme fresh? I honestly don't know. Creme, creme fresh. Creme fresh. Creme, creme fresh. Creamy freshy. Finally, I love how much love Patty C is getting for his performance. I'm a longtime stan. His IMDb is literally all hits, not a single miss. I don't know if any of you have seen the Red Riding films. I have not. Mm-hmm. They are super dark and tough to watch, but so good. That sounds like my bag. And the one where Patty is the lead Red Riding 1980 is honestly the best one. Okay, thank you. Thank you for reading all this nonsense and for doing all that you do. I feel like all or most of your listeners talk back to you as we listen while folding laundry, doing dishes, etc. <laughs> <laughs> the pod has been such a joy for me and I really look forward to every episode, even when I don't know, uh, don't love the material rings of power help. <laughs> oh no. Uh, MJ on Patreon. Thank you so much. Thank you, uh, Steve, take the next one. Is the next one Brenda? Brendan. Oh, Brendan. Thank you. Brendan writes. Oh, another Godswood one. That's right. First of all, love the podcast. You guys make me laugh more and harder than literally any other podcast I listen to. And your takes are always both fair and empathetic. Aww. Love you guys. Shout out from Maester Marty B. Oh, Brendan. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I thought of you and put a smile on my face, I would have at least two nickels. But it's weird. It happened twice. But it's weird. That it happened. Tw- you should come down to the Nina. Mm. It's it's this water pool that I have in my chambers and you and I shall enjoy some milk of the papa together. <laughs> oh no. Close the door behind you. Uh, <laughs> Brendan continues. How did he like the child killing the guy with us? Oh, he loved it. <laughs> I bet he did. I've been on that. Rep- that's oh man. I've been had that, having that on repeat in my chambers <laughs> constantly. <laughs> Go Blackwoods. I've got a little foam finger that says go Blackwoods. You do. Yeah. It's weird. Fuck Brackens. <laughs> That's what Marty B's always said. Fuck them Brackens. They're always fighting over those hills called the Teats. The Teats. Yeah. It's a real lore thing. Look it up. Oh, I know. Uh, they continue. Anyway, more of a comment than a question, but you have mentioned the godswood in the walls of the Red Keep. I believe what happened to that, if I recall correctly, this was, the email. was Baylor the Blessed, who was particularly devoted to the faith of seven and was responsible for tearing down many godswoods in the Crownlands. He won't reign for approximately another 30 years. Uh, thank you for everything, Brendan. That's also the guy who made the sept that Cersei blows up, the sept of Baylor. Baylor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Baylor the Blessed. Thank you so much, Brendan. Very astute uh, uh, lore to point out in this situation. Appreciate that. Much appreciate. Now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. We're so excited to be partnered up with BetterHelp for this show because we're huge advocates for mental health. And we've always wanted a way to work it into the show. And now it gives us an easy way. I actually work in the mental health field, so I'm thinking about this all the time. 
My mother suffered from bipolar disorder. My dad had undiagnosed issues. And so it's it's really something that's close to my heart. And I'm so happy to be able to help our listeners if we can in some way with that. In my own life, I'm filled with anxiety. Uh, I'll just get a little personal for a second. I think I've talked about it. But pretty recently, I checked myself into the ER for uh, heart issues that I thought I was having. Turns out it was a panic attack. It was just anxiety. So these are things that uh, I don't talk about a whole lot, but I, I suffer from. And I, you know, even being in the field, I find it very difficult to find somebody to help me with those things. A lot of the therapists that I find that I jibe with, I connect with, I find out they're not accepting new patients. So I'm like, get really frustrated. And then I don't know where to go from there. What BetterHelp does is it helps pair you with a therapist to help you with your needs. And you can switch therapists at any time. And it's directly online. So you can just easily and without any barriers whatsoever, access the help that you need. So when you want a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash streaming things today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash streaming things. This next email comes in from Jessica. Hey guys, love the show. I just Hi. finished listening to your House of the Dragon episode four recap, and I have some questions and a couple of dragon eggs to oh, add. We got dragon eggs. When the boy who spied on the boy, the boy who spied on Rhaenyra and Damon reported to Otto Hightower, and then is later seen visiting Damon's mistress Masaria, aka the White Worm. Mm. It was the boy who gave the mistress the handful of money. Yes, not the other way around. This had me wondering: Why is the boy paying her? Who is she working for? And what does she have to gain from spying on Damon, her own lover? Uh, again, I think we addressed this, but our our reading of the scene now is that she the boy works for her and she sent the boy to tell Otto and then came back with Otto's money. She never directly talks to Otto. So that doesn't ruin her standing to spy in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Right. Would right. be my guess. Yeah. The boy's just a flunky. And why she would spy on Damon is because she's not super happy with him because she left him. Uh, she's doing what she can to protect herself, right? Or, or he left her, sorry. He left right. her for so long to fight in the step zones. And also he was, you know, he put a target on her back or ma and made it dangerous for her. And she is everything if uh, uh, she's nothing, if not a survivor. So she's Correct. just doing what she does best and she's surviving. I'm a survivor. I'm not going to give up. That's the, uh, little destiny's child for that ass. I love Steve. it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> she mentions likes it. <laughs> <laughs> she mentions not being in the skin trade, quote unquote anymore. So clearly she's left behind her life of being a common or not so common whore for something that is more profitable and beneficial. It seems that she is now working for or with auto Hightower as an informant of mm -hmm. Damon's yeah. exploits. I wondered why the boy would have been waiting outside the brothel since this was Rhaenyra's first adventure out of the red keep. How could he have known she would be there? My guess is she's been keeping tabs on Damon since his return to King's Landing under orders of Masaria. So what does the white worm have to gain from getting dirt on Damon who is paying her for this information? It makes sense that it would be Otto Hightower as she has a vested interest in keeping Damon and Rhaenyra off the throne because he wants his grandson on it as King Viserys realizes in this episode. I have something to add there. I think it's a little less um, head on than that. My guess is Missaria has spies like this all throughout the city at all times. That spy was triggered by the arrival of Rhaenyra and Damon. I don't think she was necessarily watching Damon as closely as it looks there. She's watching everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, my memory of Missaria or Lady Misery is that she's very much like Varys the Spider, a precursor to that person. And so she's already got eyes everywhere in she, King's Landing. She's basically the master of whispers Correct. before that that mistress of whispers. Yeah. Cause there's no, there's no actual master of whispers on the council currently. Right. Not to my knowledge. 
Oh, but we did. We forgot to mention that Rhaenyra has her own little ball in the court, in the small court. Her ball? Yeah. She's officially part of the small. Oh, she gets now. to clock in. She's got a little ball to clock we in. We didn't yeah. forget to mention that. That's yeah. so great. I'm yeah. glad she's got balls. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes it so much easier to navigate this world. Yeah. Uh, Good for her. Remember how Damon used his mistress as nothing but a plot point in his fabrication of her being pregnant and making her his second wife in order to lure the king to Dragonstone? I do remember. Well, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. It reminds me of how in Game of Thrones, Tyrion shipped off his own former common whore, Shay, for which she greatly resented him, and then later ascended the ranks by becoming Tywin's lover and turning against Tyrion at his trial. As with most Game of Thrones characters, their motivations is to gain power, money, or status. Like Shay, the White Worm has risen from the title of common whore and is now making real power plays of her own hose v scheming i'm curious to see where her character will go i have not read the books the other dragon egg was during the love scene between rainier and sir Kristen cole in addition to having initiated the kissing undressing and eventual love making with sir Kristen, the indulgence scene revealed rainier taking control by being on top which was directly reminiscent of daenerys targaryen taking control of her sexuality mm. uh, that's correct and love relationship with her husband cal drogo in the very same way after her handmaid advised her to do so unlike fear of rainier's first experience showing her taking control and harnessing her dragon energy right out of the gate Good for her. I was wondering if Sir Kristen was an entirely willing participant since at first he seemed very hesitant. Was he just going along with it out of duty to the princess and fulfilling what she wanted? I do wish the writers would have let the chemistry and tension between the two of them build up a bit longer before their coupling, but I know they have to move along in the timeline. It was still, as you said, a very steamy scene and one of my favorite parts of the episode. Keep up the great commentary, guys. Much enjoyed. Um, yeah, Kristen Cole was probably hesitant because like, he definitely wants to do this. It goes against everything he's promised. Yeah, and it's dangerous he was, for him if it, if it comes out that yeah. he's boning the, the king's daughter He'll and die. the presumed heir, he will be executed because mm-hmm. that's what happens to the king's guard when they take, you know, they forsake their uh, celibacy vows. Like there was that one, uh, it's an ancestor of uh, the Strongs. I forget his name, but he had like, th- he secretly had three wives and like 16 kids. And when the king found out, I think it was Jaehaerys, King Jaehaerys found out. And yes. so he cut his dick off and sent him to the wall. He did indeed. Not the uh, dick. The, the rest of him went to the wall. Oh, I thought it was just a dick. Yeah, he sent his dick to the wall. I could just like to picture one of the brothers of the Night's Watch there standing and then just a severed wiener. You are, on the, the, God, <laughs> you are the shield that guards the realms of men. It's just a dick. <laughs> we suck. Uh, but very astute. Yeah, I, I did think they set it up pretty well because they gave him that long extended scene in episode three out in the woods and such. But um, I could see your point as well. Yeah, it would be nice to have a little bit more. Especially if you didn't have the books to like fill in a lot of the stuff. But that's a good thing about the show. A lot of the stuff we didn't have in the books either. Like this was all kind of uh, rumored to be true. So great thoughts. Great thoughts. Steve, take it away. Uh, The next email comes from Emmy. Emmy. Emmy writes in, hey guys, hope you're well, enjoying the show as always. Had a couple of points on this episode I wanted to share. This is referring to episode four. Number one, I already tweeted this at you, so ignore this if you already saw that. Well, we're not going to ignore this. Uh, the showrunners... It's, it's the same thing everyone else is yelling at us for. The showrunners in the after... After the episode had a different take on why Damon left the brothel, the too long didn't read is that as soon as he felt he wasn't in control anymore because Rhaenyra was into it, slash not being handheld so much through their first sexual experience, he wasn't, quote, into it anymore. Number two, when considering whether this was a planned thing to get an accepted proposal, I'm still undecided. But it made me, me too. Th- it, but it made me think of the 
season one of Bridgerton. If you're not familiar, Daphne and Simon get frisky and are forced to marry because otherwise her reputation would be ruined. I thought of this and because I wonder if Damon was planning to just do enough, just be seen to have enough evidence to force an engagement in order to not ruin Rhaenyra's reputation. Loving the coverage. Also really appreciate all the disclaimers about being a cis male white podcast. Oh, well, <laughs> you guys are so respectful and it doesn't go unnoticed. Normally, I think I'd probably feel really out of place listening to some quote unquote bros, but you guys truly make this gal feel welcome and included. So thank you. Plus, if you ever seriously want a femme perspective on the pod, I would gladly volunteer as a female nerdy film loving tribute. 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 Hunger Games reference. She volunteers as tribute. Okay. Bye for now. Emmy. Uh, I really appreciate that. And I'm a huge fan of Bridgerton season one. Steve, did you watch? Uh, that's the Duke, right? <sighs> yes. I did not watch it. That is a steamy, lovely show. That's what I hear. Big fan. A lot of people love that show. Big fan. But uh, what do you think? Uh, are you still undecided about if Damon was? This I am. Again, I, uh, I stand Damon as much as I don't want to. And I don't want to think that he's manipulating my queen at all. I like to think that even though it's gross, he has like actual feelings and uh, all that, you know, everything else is just, cause I, cause again, I think he's, he's a dog chasing cars and though he does want the throne. I think he, some of these political machinations would be beneath him because he thinks mm -hmm. it's already his, you know what I mean? So from an arrogant way, I don't think he's going to be scheming too hard. Now he's very well aware that if he marries as the previous heir to the throne, if he marries the current heir to the throne, he's got it pretty much in the back. Right. But he also, I think he's like, sidebar she's also super hot and we would be a great power couple so it's not mm -hmm. just machinations right right um I, he's I, such a complicated character i think that's why so many people like him because even though he does have these machinations for the throne but he also like deeply cares about his brother too he and, does and, and like, as he when corliss tried to talk shit he was like uh, -uh. yeah he has this very in incredible incredibly dense relationship or um relations to all his family members. It's quite fascinating to watch. He's just a, he's like fun character to watch. He is. He's very and as well. Like I'm really happy that Rhaenyra is starting to kind of step up and, and kind of claim more and more of the limelight as the season goes on. Well, they'll have already watched the episode by the time they hear this. So that's, that makes it sad, but um, this will be the last episode with Millie Alcock and, and uh, Emily Carey. So I'm very sad about that. I know that Olivia Cook and Emma Darcy will crush it as well, but I'm very sad to see those actors go. They've, they've done such a great job. Mm -hmm. uh, but this next email comes from Kaylin. Hello, I found y'all's podcast Hello. during season four of Stranger Things, as most people did. And I've got to say, I absolutely love your content. Been catching up on some of your old episodes and following along with your House of the Dragon coverage now, too. Thank you. My question is this. Won't Damon now get grayscale from being covered in the crab feeder's blood after ripping him apart? I mean, the battle was extremely satisfying, but I can't help but wonder how he would escape contracting the disease amidst all the gore, given how alarmed Jorah was when he and Tyrion came across men with grayscale in Game of Thrones, and he warned Tyrion not to let them touch him. Surely Damon isn't taken down by something as miserable and lame as grayscale. LOL. Just a thought. Keep up the good work. Um, my only... I have two thoughts about that. I don't think that the showrunners of Hot D thought as much as they maybe should have with the... What's the word for when something's extremely contagious? Now we'll just say the extreme contagiousness of grayscale, but also Targaryens are mythically rumored to be immune to most diseases. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that could be, we could chalk it up to that as well. That just, cause we've never seen a Targaryen come across grayscale. There's also very rare instances where people are 
not cured of their grayscale, but they they can make it stop spreading. Kind of like um, Shireen, Shireen. Shireen Baratheon from yeah. Game of Thrones. She had grayscale, but it, they had stopped it at some point. And, and Jorah himself. She, and Jorah as well. Like they still have the scars from it, but they, they you can't. You want I got these scars? <laughs> that that would have been Damon if he got grayscale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they have the scar, but it's no longer contagious to other people. But that is incredibly rare. So maybe that's why the crab feeder, you know, obviously he looks really, really bad. That's probably why he wears a mask, but maybe that's why he's been able to have this siege for so long in the sex zones because his his contagion had had progressed to a certain point they stopped it and now it's no longer going to kill him but he's already he's he's still disfigured from it yeah absolutely that's i don't know it's definitely something that you can raise your eyebrow on and be like is that really the lore reason or did you guys just forget how this worked (laughs) yeah i mean I get a little bit of vibe that they were just like, Hey, let's throw in some grayscale stuff. But I think, I think there's some, some good lore reasons while they, why they wouldn't have uh, had any trouble with that. I don't think it's inconsistent, but our next email comes in from Adam. You want to take that away, Steve? Adam writes, uh, Hey, my fucking guys. <laughs> this emails. <laughs> good luck to Steve. Cause there's a lot of vernacular, but this one's coming in hot. I like it. I have just finished the fan made game of Thrones season eight podcast, and it's incredible. I love you three. I don't want to walk through an episode with any others, any other less sexy mo- mothers. Oh, mothers We're sexy mothers. man. <laughs> does that make us milfs? It does. Uh, love the YouTube. So I get all your fucking faces. <laughs> Look, if you, you legends get time to visit the fan-made beauty. You won't be disappointed. Streaming things is a pod. I tell everyone about so fucking funny. I'll never go changing. So, so dope. Keep up the characters. You give me something to look forward to and geek out when some people just don't get it. Adam or oh, Adam. Uh, but yeah. Oh yeah. And then he puts a link to the podcast. The pod that he speaks of is G O T. Is that the name of it? It's Game yeah, of Thrones. Yeah, T-O-T-S-8-R.com. It's Game of Thrones Season 8 Redux. Re- yeah. Re- redo. Have you listened to any of this, Chris? I have not. Uh, I am familiar with it. There's a friend of mine on TikTok um, named, I think she goes by Lady Lannister and Casterly Talk. Um, Casterly she's actually not Talk, a friend of mine. She has good. no idea I exist because I don't know why. I'm mean, pretty cool on there. Um, but uh, <laughs> I do follow her stuff. She talks a lot of, a lot about Game of Thrones and, and House of the Dragon and mostly deep book lore stuff. And so she's talked about the pod on TikTok a lot. So I know that it exists, but I haven't listened to it yet. But it is like one of the, I told you about it last week, Steve. I've listened to it. Oh, you listened to it? Yeah. Oh, well, how, what do you think of it? Well, I've only listened to the first two episodes. Uh, it's really, really well done. If it wasn't clear, listeners, what it is, is these people have gotten together. They have essentially rewritten all of season eight of Game of Thrones. They have hired professional voice actors to, there's like a narrator that narrates the scripts and then they have people playing the different characters from the show. And it's basically kind of like trying to fix what a lot of people don't appreciate about uh season eight of game of thrones um i've only listened to the first episode and some of the second episode and at this point there isn't much deviation between the two yet so it was kind of like oh yeah i remember that happening in the show exactly yeah. word for word right. um but i'm exce- but i but i think the production value is incredibly well done it's very impressive that they were able to write it one and, and B get all these actors to come in and do a pretty stand up job. Yeah. Some of them like sound downright, just like the actual actors. Like there's a guy, the guy who plays uh Theon Greyjoy, I think sounds just like Alfie Allen and it's, it's pretty rad. Um, and then the, and then the guy who plays Jon Snow is, is doing a pretty good job. Like he's, I don't know. He's doing that like yeah, very specific Kit Harrington style of talking and it's, it's pretty amusing, but I won't bend the knee. I won't bend the knee. My queen. My- <laughs> I love her. I need a cigarette. 
Brett. <laughs> I I'm a Targaryen now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they start smoking when they do that. But no, yeah, check that out. Game of Thrones season eight redux. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. So thank you for uh, getting me hip to that, Adam. Yeah, my fucking guy. My fucking guy. <laughs> this next email comes from Brooke, a friend of mine on Twitter now. Ooh, Brooke. We're friends. Hi there, Chris, Andy, and Steve. I found you guys, and this is just, Hi. she's just being kind to us. I just wanted to read it. I found you guys uh, after my partner and I binged all four seasons of Stranger Things, first time watchers after the season four release, and I was ravenous for more Stranger Things content. I'll be honest, I tried a few other Stranger Things podcasts, I won't name names, before finding yours, and none of them hit the mark for me until I found streaming things. The moment you called out Hellfire Club as an X-Men reference, I knew I was home free. Oh, yeah. You can tell how great of friends you are, and your humor is top notch yeah, the hot okay. d abbreviation for house of the dragon made me literally laugh out loud the first time i heard it and marty being argyle making guest appearances kills me every time i'm a huge game of thrones fan if you can't tell by my email danny it's a game of thrones reference danny is my favorite <laughs> character so when i saw you guys were going to cover hot d i was amped the character of daenerys is actually what pushed me to start cosplaying and making my own costumes under the name tatted khaleesi i just wanted to plug that as well because she does some great cosplay work on twitter which then then spiraled into being a major part of my life, renewing my love for comics and many other nerd life things that I won't go into detail on here because frankly, we'd be here for hours, but to have a place in this podcast to get to listen to discussion, in-depth lore, theories and predictions is really something I was missing until I found stream streaming things to wrap up. An already lengthy email. I am stoked we have more Targaryens and more dragons with Hot D and so glad you guys are covering it. Listening to your podcast feels like hanging out with friends and is such a great addition to my day, whether it's on my hour long commute to work or Dang. cleaning or listening while I, yeah, That's while I work on one. my creative projects. Thanks for all that you do. I remember seeing the first episode of Hot D pop up on the pod and thought you guys must never actually sleep. Uh, Steve doesn't. What? Can't wait for more streaming things. Please? Love F you Mike tatted Khaleesi slash Brooke. You can share my name if you so wish. Oh, thank God. Cause I totally did. <laughs> I just wanted to read that because again, every, it will never cease to catch me in the feels when uh, I picture people that are like me out in the world, all over the world, um, trying desperately to escape the hell that can often be life and just obsessing over these nerd things, but feeling kind of alone in that obsession mm -hmm. and then finding a community and in something that I helped create right? Like mm -hmm. some kind of togetherness that I'm helping to foster through my own self-same loneliness, right? So I just thought that was really neat. Thank you so much for taking the time to reach out and let us know that. What's sleep? What is sleep? Yeah. She mentioned that. What is, I don't know I've heard, heard of this that. thing. I don't think we'd like it to be honest. Oh, well, we don't. Oh, okay. I'll still, I'll still clear from it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, and we have one last hot D mailbag. This one comes in from Jennifer, Steve. Jennifer writes in, hi guys, I am loving the hot D pod just as much as the stranger things pod. Wow. The awesome content. That is high praise. Uh, I have some questions. Maybe you can answer about dragon eggs. How long do they take to hatch and how do you hatch them? I know what Daenerys did in the original show, but wondering how they did it during the hot D times. Also does the dragon egg in the cradle bond with a baby and become the dragon they will ride on a different subject. I was wondering why Damon never tried to marry Rhaenyra. I know it's creepy, but that is what their house did. We, 
They we should st- note this email came in two weeks ago. Oh, yes. Yeah. This is, <laughs> yeah. So he, he has tried since. Uh, they seem to actually like and respect each other and have a little chemistry. Any insight on that? Maybe the age difference is too much, but again, that's what they did. One last thought. I believe the show was contrasting how Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra killed the boar and how badass it was with how lame the king was when he killed the stag to show how much more suited she is to leadership than he is. Sorry if I spelled the names wrong. Thanks again for all you do. I, I say the names wrong all the time, Jen. So don't even worry about that. That <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Chris, do you want to take the dragon eggs question? I'll do my best. Uh, there's some differentiation as far as the lore is concerned. It's definitely not how Daenerys has to do it. There's no, um, association with heat necessarily to hatch them as far as how long it takes. I'm honestly not sure other than that. I think it happens pretty much randomly. Like they seem to be kind of like, Oh, like at the time of house of the dragon, there are 14, I think. Uh, I want to say 17. Oh yeah. It's it's in the teens. Yeah, Dragons in existence. There's going to be nine shown in the first season of the show, but there's about 17 in existence and a plethora of eggs. And they, they are in the tradition of putting an egg in the cradle just because they, they believe dragons and Targaryens to be spiritually linked. It doesn't necessitate that that's the dragon that they'll have though. When they come of age to be a writer, they can choose whatever dragon they want. Uh, and there typically is some kind of random bond that happens that makes it okay. It's sort of like if you go to choose your own pet and then the, you know how sometimes if you go and look, you're looking for a dog, for instance, and the dog chooses you more than you choose yeah. the dog. It's one of, kind of like that. Indeed. Indeed. So Dan, I hope that answers your question. It's kind of all over the place as far as what I've read. Because Caraxes um, isn't Damon's original, like Damon is not the original dragon rider for Caraxes. He is not. Um, and Vagar has been written by three or four people. Um Started is, with uh, Visenya. Yeah. And is CC Smoke isn't originally Lanor's dragon, right? No. Uh, the only one I, I think that is like the original writer with their dragon is Cyrax. Is that right? I think Rainier is, is Cyrax's first writer. And then Dreamfire, who is the egg that was stolen, uh, I think. Um, that was originally Reyna's, Queen Reyna's dragon. And I think that was her cradle dragon. Uh, but it doesn't always happen that way is what we're getting at. So not necessarily. Um, so it's kind of all over the place. And then we're, I think we're, I think tonight, actually, when we watch Hot D, we'll, we'll think we're going to see Vagar. They're going to introduce Maylis, which is. Yes. Rainice. Uh, Rainice's dragon. And, yes. I, and I know she's not Rain, uh, Maylis. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah. Maylis. That's Maylis. not her first That's writer. That's not her first writer either. So it, it, and I think it, it we're going to see Vagar. I hope we see Vagar. That's going to be so cool. It's such a big fucking dragon. Oh, I hope so. Uh, and hopefully Noodle Boy, always. Always Noodle Boy. Give me that big red noodly boy. I love him. Uh, we've only got a few minutes until the episode five of House of the Dragon drops. So we're super excited for that. But we got a couple of Rings of Power emails. If you guys want to stick around for those. Ooh. This one comes in from Lee. Uh, remember the painting of Elrond and his brother when Galadriel was at the scroll library with Elendil? Question mark. He looks like Adar. Could be wrong, but it's quite a coincidence. So they're saying that there was the painting when Galadriel was in the library um, and uh, that maybe Adar is Elrond's brother. Could be. I mean, Adar is a made for the show character, like, right. Yeah. All of it is basically. Yeah. I think you'll enjoy rings of power much more if you see it as kind of like a fan fiction because they don't have the rights to anything that it's actually talking about. Right. So (laughs) if you're a huge lore buff, just get over that. Uh, I think it's very possible because, you know, Andy, I think Andy, I was listening to our coverage of episode four. Um, 
and what was it? The great wave is that it was called. Yeah. And he was talking about, he thinks Adar is some kind of vestige of the original elf war against, uh, Morgoth, um, which is probably obvious to most people, but it wasn't to me. And so I, I think that's very possible that they would do something like tie it in specifically with Elrond's family. Yeah. And that also brings an added element of drama between the characters. Like, Oh, this is a character we know and is related to Elrond and how tragic it is that we have to fight him. No, it's going to be sad. Oh no, my brother. Hello. 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 Uh, Steve, do you want to read the next email from Caleb? From Caleb. And it's the first email, not the response to my response. Caleb? I don't see it. You got to go to, oh, you got to go to rings, baby. It's another folder. Did you make another folder? Yeah. Oh, rings, baby. Yeah, you told me to. <laughs> the name of the actual folder is yeah. rings, baby. Yeah. <laughs> No, you did that. That's funny. Okay. So we're reading Caleb's letter. Caleb writes in with, Hey, Steve, Chris, and Andy. Hello. First off, I just, I want to say that I'm so glad to have become a patron of y'all show. Y'all are amazing. I listen to Pratt. I listen to Pratt. You practically every day. I'm also so stoked that y'all made a discord. I've been wanting that for the show badly for so long. Yay. So happy to be part of the streaming things family. Thank you for working so hard and giving us the best and sexiest content. Oh, Caleb is getting on here. He continues. Secondly, I have a genuine question because I know y'all read the Lord of the Rings books. Well, Chris does. I was thinking while watching rings of power, how some people get so outraged, offended, or appalled that there are people of color playing roles in the new show or other popular shows, which is absolutely ridiculous. These people need, need help. Truly, truly need help. Uh, does Tolkien ever even specify or directly tell you what the character's race is? Uh, do, do most books that are adapted into shows ever usually specify that unless I'm sorry, I, I can't read. Do most books that are adapted into shows ever usually specify that unless they want you to know what the character looks like? I just, I just want to know because some people get so caught up into, into it if the castings are staying true to the quote unquote race of the characters in the book. Personally, I think that it's insane that people think that way. They are fictional characters. It shouldn't matter who gets casted for them. As long as they are good actors or actresses and they can pay homage to the res in a respectful way for that character. And I think the characters in the show are 100% going to do that. I know I'm saying a lot right now, but I thought y'all would have a good or would have good answers and thoughts on that because I know y'all are great guys and y'all feel the same way about that. Y'all absolutely think that there should be more opportunities for people of color on TV and movies. I do too. Hope y'all see this and would love to hear y'all's thoughts. Love you guys. Also, Andy, you're not alone. Heath Barr are, to read that. are really, are really damn good. Don't let Chris and Steve give you too much of a hard time. <laughs> Uh, as far as the lore, I had me Caleb until that last oh boy. Uh, I really think it's important to say I'm not at all the lore expert that somebody like Don Marshall or new better do better is on TikTok as far as Lord of the Rings is concerned. Um, but it, Tolkien does specify, uh, at least with elves, as far as I recall, uh, fair of hair and skin, blah, 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 things like that. Right. I think there are some lore instances uh, where that is not the case that they would be, you'd be better to ask one of the other people I just mentioned. However, my main thoughts on this are that it doesn't even remotely fucking matter, right? Like you're talking about, first off, the guy wrote the books in the fifties and 60 early sixties with the letters and stuff like that. Like this is not a time period for inclusivity that we want to reference, uh, and stay true to at all. Mm -hmm. And secondly, none of it's real. 
They're all, no. none of it's real. They're elves. It could be literally whatever you want. Elves don't exist. It could be, uh, Steve's dog Pippin could play an elf and really nobody could say shit. Uh, no one would dare say shit because <laughs> Pippin would be an amazing elf. Trey's adorbs elf. Um, let and, me look, my, let me use my elf eyes and I will see. And again, I'm, I'm a, I'm a white dude, so I'm not going to speak too much on it in the sense of like, I guess I have opinions, but who the fuck cares about my opinions in this, in this regard, other than it is obvious to me that the people that are very upset about the casting of, of the, the people of color and, and elvish roles in this, and even in roles in hot, uh, hot D as the Valarions. Um, and now it's a huge thing as we're recording this, that, you know, Ariel from little mermaid, uh, is, is a person of color and mermaids are not real either. So all the scientific nonsense that they're bringing up in defense of their prejudice is ridiculous. Um, but it's obvious to me that they are going to be upset anytime that happens because they are racist uh, and that bothers them to see people of color on. I don't even under, I can't even wrap my head around it because here's the thing that's so fucked up to me. It's not like the original little mermaid will not still exist. Right. So it does not matter. And, and you know what I mean? Like the Lord of the Rings movies still exist. The books still exist. Um, so even if you're uh, race swapping for effect, that's fine. It just gives that someone else an opportunity to see themselves like I am a white dude. So I have been able to watch action movies and fantasy movies and, you know, content of all types and be able to see myself on screen doing cool shit my entire life. So I can't imagine what it's like to not be able to find that no matter how hard I look. Right. And, but I can kind of imagine how cool that would be to finally have that. And so those are my thoughts. I hope that was clear. I don't know uh, if I just went on a, a ramble there. I, I think Steve and I and Andy have made it clear where we stand on stuff like this. We don't talk about it a ton. We did get an iTunes review that we are way too woke to get more than two stars. Are you one of them wokes? <laughs> Which I was like, what? Um, yeah. Whenever uh, that email or that review in particular, I was scratching my head like, what is it? What? Oh, I'm sorry. Because we were like. Hey, we're white dude. We're just this white man. So like maybe seek someone else's opinion on this very specific thing. And he's like, ah, too woke. Oh, was that the episode four comments? I th you think, I, th I, th I think, cause that was right. Around dude, the time I'm telling you, that. everybody got really fucking pissed that I was like trying to be careful about talking about very specifically female issues. And I find that bizarre. Like what is so weird about going into a space where you have no knowledge or experience and being like, I don't know, maybe it's best you ask someone else. What is so weird about that? Uh, like if I walked into a fucking construction building and just wandered in by accident and somebody was like, Hey, uh, Hey buddy, how's the uh, miter cut angle on this carpentry work going here? Do you think this will hold the load bearing wall? I would be like, I don't know, man. You should probably ask somebody else. That's fucking obvious. Right. Exactly. And then, oh, that's awful woke of you not to offer an opinion on the carpentry angle there, buddy. <laughs> what? Just come up with yeah. something, idiot. That that word has no meaning in today's society anymore. Sorry. People have used, overused it. Uh, so I want to bring um, on this topic. There is a Twitter user. Her name is Laura Shortridge Scott. She did a whole Twitter thread on this very thing. And I think it's worth kind of picking out some of the things she pulled out. So she starts off by making different tweets and showing photos of famous film ca uh, characters that come from books, but she's showing the, the film version of the, the character. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of these. Uh, in the Hunger Games books, Hamish uh. is described as a, quote, paunchy with curly dark hair. Movie Hamish, blonde and slim. No one minded. 
In The Princess Bride, the Zini is described as having a near angelic face. The movie, this fucking guy. And it's the guy who plays him in Princess. I can't remember that actor's face, but he does not have a near angelic face. He was just face. in Clueless. He was just in Clueless. She continues, in the books, Tolkien described the Hardfoot as being, quote, browner of skin than hobbits. Here are two screenshots of Hardfoot, Hardfoot's in the Rings of Power show. Getch which one people are mad about. And she shows uh, Sardok and um, Nori. Uh, she continues, in the Hunger Games books, Rue is described as having, quote, dark brown skin and eyes. When a black actress was cast to play a canonically black character, there was enough of an outcry to make several news headlines. It's just and she continues with like a ton of these examples of of every single time it happens, of, people will be mad because they're racist. And, and literally, it's always when it's a different race at it, when it's like a well, not even different. If it's just like a, a minority character playing a popular character in a movie, it's always like, oh, hey, this is wrong. Yeah, and, and literally like, so it never happens if it's like, you know, uh, it's, it's just if you cast a minority into a thing, people who are racist are looking for excuses to be angry and mean about it. Uh, so I hope that, you know, that explains our thoughts on that, Caleb. And thank you for writing in. Uh, our next email comes very quickly from Corey talking about Bear McCreary's music in Rings of Power was so much better on Black Sails. Oh, shit. <laughs> Disappointed he wasted all his pirate powers there and had nothing left for the ship arrival scene at Bravos. Sorry, I mean, Numa, Numa, Numa Numenor. Uh, so I think he's uh, taking some pot shots at Rings of Power there. But the Numa Numa song, I think this. Yeah, I think that the the score is pretty good, but I, I never watched Black Sails. I think that was like a Cinemax show or a Showtime. Maybe did you watch that, Steve? I couldn't. Yeah, because it was on one of those shows that I, I want to check it out. I love pirates. It looks good. Yeah, I, I've been watching lots of Banshee. I've been watching all kinds of random old sh shows, so I'll probably get to Black Sails very soon. I do. Uh, the next email comes from longtime listener and friend of the show, Shay. You Shay. Take that over, Steve? Shay writes, hey, guys, I'm currently listening to the pod covering the third episode of Rings of Power, and I think I do understand why you were frustrated with the episode. It's hard for me to completely empathize because I am one of those people who listen to lots of podcasts about things I'm watching. So a lot of this episode's content was stuff being theorized and discussed before it aired. So I actually did know it was Numenor, like I'm sure really hardcore Tolkien readers probably deduced. I read the books, but it was a while ago and it took me an entire year to finish all three, LOL. That's quicker than me. But on the topic of Isildur and him being a character that we have this negative perception of him from the original movies. One thing I heard from some discussion after the episode aired was that everything we heard about Isildur was direct was a direct recounting from Elrond. We know that at that point. Elvish in, propaganda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. We know at that point in his life, he definitely does not look favorably upon men and would have had a almost uh, would have had a lot of animosity towards Isildur's favor. But apparently in the books, Isildur's failure to get rid of the ring was less of a quote, no, I'm keeping it because I want all that power and more of a moral failing of a man who was hurting and trying to heal from war. I think it's implied it was something he kept as a se as sentiment and reminder of his father and grandfather that were killed. You should listen to the Ringer versus podcast about it. No, no. Nay, what what podcast? I bleeped it out. <laughs> they talk about this in far better detail than I can remember. They think the show will. Uh, they think the show will show us a more complex portrayal of the sealer as a character. Oh, about the elves and why we should care about the two elves who die. I don't know that we are supposed to be devastated by the deaths themselves, but the deaths are supposed to signify the hopelessness of the situation Arendir is in and the ultimate threat of the orcs and the evil that is growing. Side so note, she wrote Orca and I'm actually, I pictured free Willy. And 
<laughs> Go on, it's sorry. Blackfish. <laughs> uh, last thing, I promise, how Brand, I think, following the Sauron theory, was not lying when he talked to Galadriel. He says he took the necklace off a dead man. I think maybe he actually did as a means of disguise. He also says, my family lost the war. Maybe he is actually talking about Morgoth's forces losing. Just wanted to point that out. Uh-huh. Now we're getting into some Sauron propaganda, mm-hmm. am I right? Shay, is this, or are you really Sauron? Yeah. Is this how, how Brand writing Real in? Real clever of you to be a patron, Sauron. I'm not, I'm not falling for it, Sauron. I see your eye upon us. <laughs> she finishes up with, anyway, sorry to hear y'all didn't enjoy the episode very much. Hopefully you love next week's episode. Spoiler, we, we did! did. Uh, so she said thanks. So thank you so much for writing in Shay and always being a supporter of the show, even if we hate certain episodes of things very much much love to you shay and i, I do want to say that was a joke uh i don't listen to Ringerverse. i haven't gotten into it yet but joanna robinson is a is a host of that show one of the many because there's a lot of them they do like daily episodes uh love 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 joanna robinson she has helped she, she's like my podcast mommy she has shaped <laughs> everything i do with this microphone uh, i think she's a brilliant mind like she predicted uh season one of westworld on like episode two that there was like, I think there's different, we're in different time periods depending on which scene we're in. And like, you know what I mean? Like that's fucking incredible yeah. spot on detective work. Yeah. I've been uh, in just in love with her brain ever since. I think she's one of the best podcasters to ever do it. So uh, very much joking, but also just listen to streaming things. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think that's pretty cut and dry. Just us. <laughs> Our last email comes in from Tabitha and she writes, hi, Steve, Chris and Andy. Hi. Steve's name first again. It's whatever. <laughs> Since I heard you guys started a correction segment into the pod, I had two things. Oh, I'm not going to read this then. Uh, two things I noted that I thought you might find interesting. <laughs> Number one, apparently rattle your dags is an actual saying from New Zealand and Australia and a bit different slash grosser than what we thought. Uh, dags is, the, we talked about this before, but this was the email I referenced. Dags is the word to refer to the mangy, crusty clumps of hair hanging around a sheep's bum. LOL. When a sheep is made to hurry, their dags rattle. Uh, number two, and I think there's some doo-doo in there as well. It gets even grosser. Number two, the second thing is that I had a totally different take on what the role of the elvish healer or artificer does. It seemed to me from watching and how it was phrased that the healers weren't plastic surgeons of sorts, but when Arendir spoke saying they created things of beauty and looking upon beauty heals the soul, it seemed to me that this was saying that they were more of artists and artisans, that they weren't healing actual wounds per se, but emotional and spiritual ones. Fixes for the elvish ennui, if you would. This makes Bronwyn's line right after Arendir tells her about the artifers. Well, I hope you find Alfred Flowers beautiful. Makes sense. It is something he can look upon and feel better from. When I dug deeper, there doesn't seem a whole bunch with the word artificer in the Tolkien lore, but what there is is related to Smith or referencing world builders. This makes me think that I am correct in assuming that it is referencing artisans in the elven world to be their healers. In this case, Celebrimbor is likely considered one. Mm, Also, hello. Elrond is known to be a healer, and he clearly studies with Celebrimbor, so this lines up well. Hope these may have been some interesting factoids or takes for y'all. Thank you for your work in keeping us small folk entertained best tabitha thank you so much you're 100 uh, adding some things there i think you got some great points about the artificers and i'm yeah, so glad you guys are enjoying rings of power uh, we have to prepare we have seven minutes until we delve into episode five of house of the dragon again as you listen to this it'll be a couple of days after we watched it you've already heard our whole take on it yeah so some of these takes based off these emails might be wrong because they updated a whole bunch of shit in episode five time timey-wimey things it is a flat circle but no matter what cruel mistress we are so grateful 
that you guys all wrote in and, and get to engage on this stuff that we love so much with us. Yeah. We love you so much. Yeah. Uh, continue to do that right into streaming things pod at gmail.com as at any time and as often as you want. And if you want to join into future like bonus episodes or watch parties or, you know, in the all day, every day chat with our giant community yeah, on the discord, go to patreon.com slash streaming things and consider signing up uh, at a variety of tiers for some extra bonus points and whatnots. Uh, and also follow us on Twitter at stream thing pod. And that is all the time we have for right now. My name is Chris and I'm Steve. And this was streaming things. Happy streaming. Shout out. Thank you for your patronage. You have a beautiful voice. I don't think I do. <laughs> Aww. It's pretty good. Don't be so hard on yourself, buddy. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Wood smash. <laughs> well, we're doing patron shout outs differently this time, guys. We're gonna do them once a month, and this recording will last the entire month. But in this month, we will go over the new patrons that sign up for the month and also the patrons who upgraded their tiers that month as well. Mm. Are you excited mm, to find yeah. out the cool people that, that did such a thing? Down. I'm very excited. All right. So let me introduce to you our brand new patrons for the Try Before You Deny tier. It's Aaron Layton and Crystal Trujillo. Woo! Hi, friends. In the Marty P VIP tier, it's Josh and Anna. Marty B. What did I say? Marty P. Oh, Marty B. Excuse me. <laughs> How fucking dare you? <laughs> I've been here for how long and you miss you don't know my name the entire time sir you've given me a terrible wound what if Marty B's like a Marty P man <laughs> well let our new chocolate pudding producers we have Alex Fisher Brittany Deck and Versico I hope I'm pronouncing that right I'm surely not probably not man Jen yeah, L Jess R Mandy Spears Shannon Myers and Zach Suthers thank you all so much thank you friend thanks for chachos and our final new patron in the friends don't lie tier we have Colin P Frost thank you Colleen Another P, man. Thank you so much. The up now we go into the upgrades. That's the road less traveled, man. These are the people that gave us money before, and we thought, hey, what about more money for these guys? Because mm, they're just so giving and full of mirth, 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 all of it. Uh, these people upgraded to the try before you deny tier. Try before you deny, man. Andrew Gray, Jen Robinson, Casey McCain, John Collins, Kalisha Reeves, Kate, Kiki, and Will Nash. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. And then these people upgraded to the Marty B VIP section. Thank you, A. Wells, Adam Horn, Adam Raymond, R.K. Shenanigans, Barb, Caleb Jeter, Carmelita Valdez-McCoy. I love saying your name fully, <laughs> Carmelita, because it's so cool. Uh, Chloe Richardson, Cindy Miller-Ray, Elizabeth Hull. Elizabeth Hubbard, Enza, Jimmy Gad, Enza. John Madden, like the John Madden. Isn't he dead? Uh, yes. Well, they we thought, dead. but we he's thought. on the cover of Madden 23. And now he's here to write X's and circles over footage <laughs> of football players. Thank you. Jadinglage. Thank you. Jadinglage. Morgus. Thank you, Katie Blair. Kayla Higgins. It's me. The French arc. Thank you, Lisa L. Marcus Mills. Michelle Moore. Nick Nolte. Nicole Cassis. Paula Garcia. Sean Callahan. Stephanie Pagalis. Suzanne Road and Sydney Day. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. And good night.